What a sci-fi Saturday night. Oh, that's right. I, um, listen, and this is good. Thank you for having me on. This is Adam West and AdamWest.com. Don't forget that. AdamWest.com, we have so many goodies for you. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we've been guilty of witchcraft. Me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. So here's the word for tonight. The word for tonight is lozenge. Used in the sentence. Just as the intro was ending, I swallowed my cough drop, and the lozenge is now lodged <coughs> in my throat. Uh, thanks, anyway. From the deserted set of Swamp Thing meets the Toxic Avenger in Smell-O-Vision 2, directly behind the Area 51 Portable Raccoon Retreat and Spa Mini Suite, it's clickbait for the years. Welcome to TalkCast 381, this edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, with very few reasons left, I'm your host, The Dome, saying... Do you know how much gum surgery hurts? Especially juicy fruit gum surgery? <laughs> Join in the talk cast tonight. Most of the rest of the gang of four in the Peabody Time Tunnel. It's our taciturn technical trouble wrangler, Kriana. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Playing Skyrim again tonight? Among other things. <laughs> okay. And she's back in the Dank Dungeons Automatic Reference Repair Room. Found behind the semi-hidden entrance of the Donwell's Alternate Mediation Meditation Center at Cyborg University's Auxiliary Campus in Port City, Wyoming. Welcome, Zombrarian. Hello. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. You're not you're not well tonight, are you? Or you no. just gonna you're just gonna stay muted. And I'm that not works. Well. That works. Okay. So it's it's me and uh, and our guest uh, from the Horror and Sci-Fi Prop Preservation Association, known as the HSPPA. When you're shortening it down, they are a traveling museum of screen-used props and wardrobes. For the past two years, they've been traveling throughout the Midwest, exhibiting a myriad of items at conventions and theaters for thousands of patrons. They are a not-for-profit museum. And they are run by musician, producer, actor, James Azriel, as they are head curator at all events. And he's usually accompanied by an, a team of other event curators so that they can talk to you about what's there and what's going on. Uh, the HSPPA began with James' personal collection, which spans over 30 years. So James... Welcome to the show. Let's talk about hoarding. <laughs> uh, it was an honor to be here until you used the H word. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. I, actually, I think it's it's kind of cool that you you took your one of your kind of hobbies slash 
passions slash stuff I like to do and turned it into a museum. How did that come about? Uh, well, uniquely enough, and, and I'm going to try and, and, and tell this, this story without using um, company names because until they pay me, I won't do it. Perfect. <laughs> uh, so I, I had a notoriously evil uh, cable company as a server. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, not saying a word, but I'm with right. you, brother. <laughs> so then this other company uh, who we, we shall call the uh, uh, United Vulcans, um, they uh, they showed up into the neighborhood, and I, I kid you not, I hugged them when they came to my door, and uh, and said thank you, thank you. Uh, yes, I want your service. Um, so when when they came to actually install it, uh, it they were here probably about seven hours, and there was about five or six texts uh, <laughs> over the course of the day, and. That was not because of the installation. That was because they kept calling in more guys to tour my house. The old, hey, check this stuff out. Yes. <laughs> and gotcha. and that, that was kind of the, the beginning. Like, you know, I, I, I really got to like open my doors, but I don't want to open my house <laughs> to, to the public. So the next step being an old road dog musician was to throw it all in the trailer and take it to events you know so i was gonna say that that's the interesting thing it's a traveling museum yeah so yeah. you've got a couple of trailers i'm guessing uh i've got one <laughs> okay yeah uh it's not like a fleet of <laughs> it's, it's not not like a kiss concert where you got a fleet that of would be cool though don't you it think? would it would <laughs> and i'd be all for it you know um but yeah it's just uh just mean and dome knows a thing or two about kiss concerts ask him to tell that story good lord don't there's a video that exists on youtube of me being of me attempting to interview a a kiss band thankfully not it was a tribute band and i believe you call it getting manhandled if you don't know I, I, mean. I believe that's exactly what it's called. Were, were you the guy in Brazil that uh, got yelled at for wearing the wrong shirt? I was not. I was <laughs> not. I was the guy trying desperately to do an interview with four guys dressed as Kiss musicians, uh, enjoying having me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and, and listeners to the to the show. Uh, know the video well. It's been referred to many times, and every once in a while, Kriana brings it up just to prove a point. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find this video. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds entertaining, uh, among other things. We're Not trying to decide if the best name is Codpiece Gate <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> Climb Dome Day. Good Lord. <laughs> This is what I have to put up with around here. Anyway, yeah. back 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 to yeah. back to the touring days when when you had the trailers and it wasn't a Kiss concert, but it was close enough. Uh, yeah. You you decided to take this this show on the road, and, and what kind of places do you bring it to? 
Uh, well, conventions. It, we started off with the uh, the the Midwest horror conventions like um, Horror Hound and uh, uh, Flashback Weekend. Um, so our our first year, twenty uh, twenty. Oh, I'm gonna screw this one up. I, we started in 2015, but 2016 was our first real year. I think so. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with, with you. Dates. It's like I, I should know these dates, but in my head they get all messed up. Um, so we started off with like six shows that first year. The following year, uh, we had um, almost 30 shows. Wow. So, yeah, it, it blew up real quick. Um, so, yeah, I, the, the first year I'm like, well, I first started off trying to book it and nobody understood <laughs> what, what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. You, wanna... you see, I've got this stuff. And yeah. if you pay me the money to get there, I'll let people look at it. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I get yeah. it. <laughs> so, so nobody quite understood and i knew that the only way to make it understood was to show them so i just went out and just booked the first couple shows like a vendor um and and just set it up and and that's that's where it just blossomed all i had to do was show the photo of the exhibit and they're like oh <laughs> um but it was still uh, and even now i mean it's still fairly difficult to get people to understand that they're real props. So for the sake of our listeners out there who realize that this isn't a, a video podcast, unfortunately, because it would be nice to have a picture of you, uh, you know, amongst the myriad yeah. <laughs> of stuff that you have. When we're talking about horror and sci-fi props, what's the kind of stuff that you have? If, if you could, Think of like four or five of the coolest things that you've got. What would they be? Um, well, I have I have uh, various uh, pieces of kryptonite and uh, and wardrobes and, and stuff from Smallville. <laughs> uh, I, I have uh, the Green Arrow's first hero jacket that was used in Smallville. Um, a few uh, Lex Luthor's comics from Small. Okay, I'm sorry, the Smallville thing I had to start. With. <laughs> Oh, I wonder uh, where that came from. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's there's so many pieces. It's it's my my we could be here for hours just grabbing at at items. But so some of the the main like focus pieces that that go around are a lot are T one thousands wardrobe from the uh, uh, the asylum when he's running at the elevator. Oh, nice. Uh, we bring that out, and I, I put it on a chrome mannequin, even just to kind of make the point come across that much more. <laughs> um, are you guys Resident Evil fans? Um, no, not particularly. No, I, I'm not a huge fan of horror, but I've, I've been told that uh, I, I need to be much more than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, there's there's a huge crossover, and that's why I call yeah. it horror and sci-fi. There's so much horror and sci-fi that crosses over. And beyond that, there's so many. I, I can fit almost any movie out there into those two genres, those two categories, hmm. even down to uh, Beauty and the Beast. 
Well, sure. I mean, because fantasy and sci-fi have been inextricably linked since day one. Yeah. You know, so that makes sense. And and like Beast, I mean that that's that's horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of this Disney stuff is is truly horror. It's well, scarier than than most things out there. You know, it, it's odd because. Uh, a very good friend of the show is is author uh, Christopher Golden, uh, who wrote for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, you know, I was talking to him a couple of years ago and I said, you know, we've known each other for 10 or 15 years and I never really considered you a horror author. And he laughed at me and he goes, what do you think Buffy was? <laughs> and I said, that was sci-fi. He goes, no, that was horror. And I went, oh. I've been schooled. Thank you. <laughs> it's got, you know, spoiler alert, it's got the word vampire. In the, in yeah, the I know. But, you know, it could have been paranormal romance for all I knew. And in well, fact, yeah, it, it probably was an early precursor of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that stuff gets a little weird, but yeah. <laughs> it gets very weird. Uh, very weird. And and it's, it's a strange place to find yourself from time to time. <laughs> Well, I, I was reaching with the Resident Evil there because you've got a, a zombie librarian on your on the, we do. the horn here, and uh, although I don't, I, she might be a, a, a snobby zombie librarian that <laughs> doesn't view Resident Evil as being zombie genre. But um, so if if you are familiar with that, which a lot of people we see are, um, I've one of our centerpieces is the the ten foot axe that the the 12-foot axeman carries. And we also have the axeman to go with it. Right. That's the one you see cosplayers uh, using the the, the tinfoil and and vacuform version of because if they actually built it, they'd never be able to carry it. Um, Yes (laughs) and no. Uh, Now, I'll I'll back that up with the guys that played the axeman in the movies are, are very big guys. <laughs> um, obviously they're not 12 feet tall though. That was angles and green screens. <laughs> um, but the, the ones that they carried and were flinging around were made of fiberglass and resin. Um, they weren't the lightest things in the world, but yeah, they obviously weren't heavy. The one I have is very heavy. <laughs> it, it's, um, <laughs> I don't have a, a scale I can put it on. Um, so uh, I believe it's around 150 pounds because the crate and everything was 180 pounds that it came in. And if you watch Resident Evil uh, 5, uh, Retribution, it's uh, it's the axe that they use to split the bus in half and smash the taxi cabs and other cars. It's a uh, it's solid uh, steel. It's on a steel pole, and they really destroyed vehicles with it. <laughs> so your your claim to glory with your collection, prior to it becoming the museum, was that the stuff you collected was screen used. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, the terminology is that what you're you're going at? No, I'm, I'm just, you know, there are so many repops and, and, and really, really good, uh, clever remakes. Yeah. But 
the idea is that your stuff was was stuff that was on the set in the movie on the tv show yes yes how the hell Uh, did you get into that in the first place uh because i started in replicas ah and i see and yeah and it, it just it just kind of moves from one to the other um when you discover that this stuff actually exists <laughs> and and is for the most part reachable obtainable um yeah it it just like every other collectible hobby it becomes an addiction and and <laughs> You you get immersed into it, or there's a twelve step program, but we're staying away from it because uh, not so much in the horror. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a step in that that twelve step that a lot of the horror can't can't handle. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So the, the time came. A horror joke. <laughs> I'm good with you. No, we're 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 right right on target with this. So the time came when you said rather than have people coming in here and looking at my stuff and going, you know, you should open a museum. I guess I'll open a museum and became not only a, a traveling menagerie of cool stuff, which is the best way I could think of to describe it. I like that word. Thank you. Uh, and you also became, I think a 501 C three. No, we are not 501 C three yet. Um, oh, you're working at that now. Yes, we we are a nonprofit. Uh, the the L, L, uh, the incorporation. Um, okay, so I I'm not uh, schooled in in business. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, <laughs> and, but I I do everything myself. So I've been trying to learn. You know, and the, the first thing to do was to to become nonprofit you first had to be a business so not knowing how to do it i became an llc which was the hsppa llc only an llc turns out an llc can't be a nonprofit. So, <laughs> so, so yeah i backed yourself yeah. right into a corner on that one. i did so now if, if you you go in and you uh you look um it's now ippa inc uh, we had to change the parent company to the International Prop Preservation Association. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, not sure why, but we couldn't reuse the HSPPA with the other still in existence. Yeah. So, oh, it's been convoluted um, experience, and I'm trying to. We've got a lawyer that uh, is trying to fix everything that I I did, but the. So we are a recognized um, nonprofit company, just not a 501c3 yet. Gotcha. Dude, um, I got a, a master's degree in, in education. Um, and the uh, the paperwork for becoming 501c3 makes a th- um, your, your master's thesis like <laughs> like five-paragraph essay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of hoops to jump through. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, we're working on that. <laughs> so, in in order to 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 make this kind of fund itself, you began uh, going around to uh, private uh, 
companies and and and, and uh, I notice there's a couple of movie houses in the area that you show at occasionally. Uh, yeah, Hollywood Palm Cinema um, has been our 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 home away from home, if you will. <laughs> and uh, you you kind of do them just the Midwest scene in uh, in conventions and stuff. God, I'd love to have you come out to the East Coast. That would be so cool. As of now, it's been Midwest mainly due to um, distance. Um, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's not anything more than like uh, covering costs. So for us to, to get to Atlanta, just, you know, and I'm just throwing something out there. I'm not doing the math. So nobody listen to this and correct me. <laughs> But for us, you're going to piss off people in Atlanta right now. But other than that, you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) But but to get somewhere that far from Chicago, it's it's almost two grand in gasoline alone. Yep. And that that becomes an issue, you know, and and the time because we can't just fly. We can't ship most of this stuff, um, you know, and a lot of it being one of a kind and, 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 and delicate. And, and I just don't trust shippers with, with things. Um, so you, you know, it'll, it's a two day trip each way. And, and it's now you got hotels, you got gas, you got other people. So a three day convention now becomes almost a, a week, week and a half to do. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's why we've been mostly Midwest. However, it is looking like next year we're going to be hitting more East Coast. Um, we are uh, looking to branch. Uh, one of my main curators, Craig Champion, is now over on the East Coast, and he's um, trying to get set up to basically do what I'm, I'm doing here in the Midwest. So... Um, it'll be easier by having all of the display cabinets already out there. Sure. All of the mannequins already out there and a, a good substantial, uh, uh, exhibit already there. Um, cause the association part of this whole thing is that we bring out other feature, other exhibitors and feature them. Uh, so it's not, you know, the one thing I tried to, to pull away from, although it tends to be, a lot of my own stuff mainly cause it's just easier that way. <laughs> um, but I, I try to bring as many other collectors and stuff to join me to, to be a part of it. And it, it's grown exponentially. And we've got a lot of East coast, um, members of, of the HSPPA and that want to do this. So it, it's very plausible now. And, uh, and probable that we'll be doing some East Coast shows in, in 2019 with still a possibility of doing one in 2018. So, Well, that's, that, that's something, uh, because we're based primarily in, in the New England area, that's something uh, that would definitely be a uh, cool addition to any one of the uh, conventions we have up here and really, really, really something to look forward to. So if you can't get, to the Midwest, to one of the conventions or one of the uh, corporations that you're currently at, one of the best ways to be able to see <clears throat> what the HSPC, HSPPA, 
<laughs> A-F-L-C-A-O-M-O-U-S-E, <laughs> is doing is by looking at two of the books that you've put together, um, The Props Awaken and Planet of the Props, uh, mm-hmm. put out under the auspices of the Horror and Sci-Fi Prop Preservation Association. And these are two books that I believe both were kickstarted first. Yes. And both have very high quality photos of some of the best stuff inside uh, the HSPPA. So talk a little bit about yeah. uh, the two books and the purpose that they serve for you guys. Well, that, that's a beautiful segue because the, the books, they've, they've got a, a dual purpose, but the main one is exactly what you're talking about, and that's not everybody can make it to an exhibit. So how do we put the exhibit in your house and with a coffee table book? And it's not just photos of the items. Obviously, that's the, the main focus and, and point of it, but... It's, it includes what makes our exhibits special, and that's the, the personable uh, point of it. It's not, oh, look, it's um, Darkman's costume worn by Liam Neeson in, in Darkman. You guessed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> are, are you familiar with Darkman? Come on. I am. Okay. <laughs> That's one of those sci-fi horrors, you know. Yep. And superhero. Um, so it, it's not just, oh, look, here's the costume, look at pictures. It's uh, what, uh, my, like, my feelings about it, uh, why it's important, why it's a, a special piece. It's movie props, unlike most other things, are an emotional um, attachment. You know, it's it's... When when the the five year old is at the the uh, the exhibit and I let her put on Wonder Woman's tiara and she breaks down into tears because it's her her idol, you know it's that's what movie props are. We we're so that's why we love the movies, you know. Yeah, no, you got that right. There's there's these are pieces of that. Yep. So it, it's unlike replicas, you know, it's not one of a hundred. It's the thing that you're, <laughs> you know, attached to. So that's what we do. Cause we, we talk about why these things are important to us, how, how maybe how we, we went about finding them um, or why the, the movie is, is special. And, and so almost, and I'm not going to say every, but almost every piece has these stories, not just from me, but from uh, other curators um, and then other featured exhibitors partake as well. Um, uh, in, in the new book, uh, Plan of the Props, it was just released last week, by the way. <laughs> um, that was the official release date. We gotcha. Always, it was uh, May the 5th. So we did May the 4th last year and it's May the 5th this year because, you know, Star Wars. <laughs> Um, uh, Chris Durand, uh, is in the new book and he, he's a, a working stunt man. Um, probably most notably notable, uh, as, uh, Michael Myers in Halloween H2O. 
Um, and he, uh, he kept the coveralls that he wore. So he, he showed the coveralls and he talked about why he kept those, why that pair was so special and, and, and things like that, you know? So, so that's what you, you, when I say you, you bring an exhibit into your house, you're getting that exhibit, you're getting those high res pictures and then you're getting the story along with it that you can't get anywhere else. So how did these books get put together? And I know the first one took a long time to put together. Um, well, they, I mean, they, they both did. The first one took longer only because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so literally you've done this. This is your child soup to nuts. Yeah. 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 I, I, I did the, the photography. I edited. I'm responsible for the spelling errors. That you may see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I am proud to say there's very few, and it's, but the ones that are there are very glowing to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it was, it was, it was rough um, learning all of that, and uh, I've never published a book i'd never done any of that stuff before so you know it was i like to do stuff like that <laughs> just to figure out how the hell you did it wrong the first time and could do it better the second time <laughs> yes and and you know the the books are are very visible of that aspect even you know i i, I learned the first time that black backgrounds aren't always the best <laughs> You know, um, I learned the difference between CMYK and uh, uh, RGB. Huge Color. difference, but that's yes. that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, it. I, I recommend everybody try it once. <laughs> <laughs> I I would I would urge you don't unless you really need to, <laughs> because yeah, uh, been there, done that. Yeah. Still have the scars, but what the hell? <laughs> yeah. um, so, so the first book took about a year, year and a half to put together. Oh no, no, no! Uh, well, I mean, technically, technically, I guess because that's you know when thoughts started. Um, but no, I, I started it uh, uh, the end of November of. 2016 and uh it was out uh for all the kickstarter people by the end of by the beginning of april i think wow that's not bad at all no it's all it did <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you don't have any other life going on that's not bad at all um yeah. and, and, and this and, one this one i i i literally i i think i did it in about two months um and I mean, that that's all I did. It's, uh, it's, it's hard, man. <laughs> the second book is called, uh, which just came out uh, last week, planet of the props. Yes. And, uh, it's as, as, as cool as you would expect it to be. So my question to you, uh, about these two books, actually two questions, I'll save the second one. It's going to be a good surprise. You're going to like it. 
Okay. But of all the stuff that you own and all the stuff that you travel with and all the stuff that you don't travel with, how did you decide what to put in the volumes? I, I, the, the, the two books are out now and I still am, am, uh, and arguing with myself over this. I wish I'd put this in or why the hell did I put that in that kind of deal? Well, no, there's, there's no, why, why did I put it in it? The, the biggest problem is there's never enough space to put it all in. <laughs> uh, so we're know. looking at a book three is what I'm hearing. Well, yeah, there's there's a reason I started with volume one. <laughs> <laughs> um, volume three, yeah, I'm I'm already working. In fact, there's already 20 pages done for volume three, and that's because there were 20 pages I had to take out of volume two. <laughs> gotcha. Because it just got to be too long. Yeah. So, uh, so what kind of decisions does it take? I mean. You like walk through the collection and go, I'll take you and you and you. Oh, you're going to have to wait for book three. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, there's a little it's as I go through the the year with the shows, I see what people are, are really interested in. You know, um, and then when I start taking photos, I just take the photos. And when I get to the editing, I see what's looking good uh, uh, I try not to do too much of one thing um, like uh, you know the, uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street there's eight movies yeah so <laughs> if I, I have two pieces in, in this book the second book uh, from Nightmare 4 both the hero glove and then uh, the soul puppet that uh, tears them open, um, which is an interesting aspect to the book, is the uh, uh, FX guy Nick Benson. He uh, he wrote a little piece in there. He puppeteered that puppet, and he talked about a little story of what happened during that that uh, cool that scene. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things going on in these books. Um, but I digress there. Uh, yeah, so it's fine. It's, I mean, <laughs> cause the more, more people know about the kind of stuff that's in the book, I think the more interesting it becomes for them to want to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to promote all of these, these aspects of, <laughs> of what's in it. Um, but, uh, but the example there with the, the nightmare on Elm street is, I have enough probably to do half the book of nightmare props between me and, and my exhibitors, but then it's no longer a book museum book. It's a nightmare on Elm street prop book. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and there, there's a part of you that I think could probably do five or six movie franchises and just do books alone on, on, your collection of that stuff. And that is a, a thought process that's, that's been going around <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on a certain, certain, uh, franchises, but, and interesting you bring that up because, um, I, I thought about this right after the first book is it would be neat to do like a book of just weapons, just the guns and the knives and the swords yeah, you know, I was thinking of that as you were talking. 
a whole book of, or a whole chapter on knives and hatchets and, and, and swords and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 or crew gifts, you know, um, uh, or the, the production things like clappers and, and, uh, uh, reels or cameras. And, and there's so many different ways you can go. Um, so the, the one thing I do try with, with the book is to keep it a little bit of everything. Um, and that, that even includes, cause I, I'm a, uh, movie prop collecting can feel very, um, out of your reach for a lot of people when you just think about it. Um, and it can seem kind of snobby, uh, or, or plausible. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, I remember there used to be a TV show on, on uh, Siffy where there was this auction house in L.A. Siffy? <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's the term well, we have for the science fiction network that stopped being a science fiction network for an awfully long time and still has wrestling on it. Um, anyway, they they had this, this show about this uh, auction house that did nothing but movie props. Yeah, I, I, I know the show that you're talking about. <laughs> and, and and holy shit, the amount of money that they were getting for stuff like that, you would just cringe. I go, yeah. you know, I don't I, I can't possibly imagine, you know, spending five thousand dollars on the night from the Hunger Games. Thanks. No. Oh, that's not happening. Yeah, the, but, the show the the show is a, a bad example of, of the hobby. Uh, however, currently it's it's feeling more like that. The more attention uh, these auctions are getting, and the more uh, the studios are seeing how much money can happen from these auctions and and holding them, um, so it, it's it's starting to feel a lot more that way. But that show, there it was like a like most of those shows, they're scripted, they're set up, they're sure they're not realistic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it can feel that way. Or when you join these groups and, and you see people sharing pictures of like a, a hero, Freddy glove, uh, you know, a Thor's hammer, a Captain America outfit. Um, you know, it, it's when you look at stuff like that and you go, I've got a hundred bucks. I mean, can I get a grain of sand? From, <laughs> the answer is uh, no. But the answer five of your friends have to come in with you. The answer is you can get a lot more than a grain of sand. It, it's the a downside and a positive to this hobby is there's no rule book. There's no um, unlike baseball cards, comic books, any of it. There's no price guide because even if you've got two of something, they're different. Um, the danger is is emotions again are are attached and and your attachment to a particular movie can cause you to put blinders on and, and just go oh, all in. Uh, you're talking about the fact that I will spend ridiculous amounts of money on Harley Quinn. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, on Harley herself or on, on... <laughs> well, yeah, if, if, if it comes down to that, but my collection of Harley Quinn's, between uh, dolls and action figures and drawings and paintings is I'm, I'm looking around my office now and going, 
holy shit, there's just way too many of them. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to stop. As a matter of fact, for my retirement, I, I got this wonderful uh, Harley Quinn from two people who shall remain nameless on the other end of this microphone. And uh, ah, it's now sitting right, right, right in front of my <laughs> uh, computer here. It's wonderful. Thank you, guys, by the way. That was wonderful. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's... I have a... to know if you're wearing your Harley Quinn Snuggie. <laughs> I, 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 I have to know, too, now. <laughs> the answer there is no, not yet, but soon. <laughs> it makes me feel better. I've got. It. I'm not wearing it now, but I have a shark one. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um. So because wait. I I am I am obsessed with Siffy's Sharknado. Oh, good lord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're the one, huh? Nice. <laughs> I am, I am, I'll tell you. You know, yes, it's it's not fantastic in in a lot of ways, but it's the only franchise that truly never lied about anything. That's true. They never pretended to be anything but exactly what they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much. It's just such a fun, fun series of films. I mean, regardless of. How good they are it's just they're just fun <laughs> you know and, and there, there's always one of those guilty pleasures uh tv shows or movies that if people actually called you out on it you just kind of go uh yeah yeah i kind of like that and there's no accounting for taste i just kind of like it yeah i'm so proud of mine <laughs> like yes this is a horrible movie but it's fun to watch which one I have a that? whole list. Um, most of them have Nicolas Cage in them. <laughs> Gone in 60 Seconds, National Treasure. John, what are some of my other favorites that you guys National all laugh Treasure, at me for? Both one and two, as I recall. Which ones? Both one and two, National Treasure. Um, Two isn't as good. <laughs> I'm a bigger fan of the first National Treasure movie. I will watch it anytime I see it on TV, and I've watched it enough times to figure out that if you watch the background in any scene, most of the extras are wearing red, white, or blue. <laughs> I remember watching Face Off with you once, and that was just scarier than hell. <laughs> the makeup TV show? No, no, the one no, with Nick Cage. I Nicholas haven't Cage, actually seen that. What? It wasn't me. <laughs> Nick Cage and John Travolta together. I haven't seen that one. Um, and they actually switched faces. It was wonderful. They did. They did. I'm gonna have to get to the DVD and you make will. you old school it. <laughs> <laughs> so James, as, yeah. as you're, as, as I have some as Nick Cage stuff. Oh, go oh, do yeah. tell. Yeah, I've got so, a couple of the masks from uh, from Wicker Man. From the, Wicker uh, uh, Man is my favorite bad movie. Yeah. From the uh, the Not ceremony, the bees. some of those animal masks. The bees. The bees. <laughs> You've made a sombrarian very happy. <laughs> okay, but I will say that the costuming and prop departments for that movie did a phenomenal yeah, job, and did. the scriptwriters didn't do too badly either. It was really all focused on Nick Cage. And not the bees. <laughs> Those bees were pretty bad. Those were just digital bees. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Oh, Nick wussed out. He should have done it with real bees. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> oh. I also have a couple pieces from the uh, the never made Superman lives. Oh, good lord! Do you really? Yeah. Including one of one of the belts for Nick Cage. Yeah. You know, I I always wondered because there was a, a an amount of footage that was shot of that film. Well, there was not of the film itself, just of uh, um, uh, trying on or uh, trying different costume pieces and oh. and things like that. They never I actually got to where shoot. that stuff ended up, because somebody's got to have it somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. It's got to be priceless too. <laughs> uh, so what were you, what were you going to ask before we got I, well, Nick Cage derailed? We still have two questions, but that's okay. Um, yeah. On on your author page uh, on Amazon, there's yeah. a picture of you holding a rock, that's and I get that. Not a and rock. A second, it's not a rock. What is it? Not a rock. Is it um, a brain? It, no, it's a crate egg. Okay, help me. What is that? Okay, come on. This is a sci-fi horror film. Critters. Oh, good lord. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a baby crate egg from uh, Critters 2. And then another picture of you holding two rather wicked-looking look, swords. Those are machetes. Yes. Uh, Jason Probably X. machete, I'm guessing. No, from Jason X. Those are Jason's oh. machetes. And then a third picture of you with a tusk mask. Explain yes. that, if you will, sir. Uh, well, you know what Tusk is, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> that is Justin Long's stunt mask. Yeah, that's um. That's the actual love... stunt mask. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, Justin Long. I've got that mask. I've got Michael Parks' uh, mask or not mask? Uh, cowl that he wears during the big walrus brawl, and um, <laughs> and I I just recently got the Mr. Tusk uh, puppet, which is a full body walrus um, that, that's puppeteered. Can you imagine somebody tuning in right now, hearing the words full body walrus come out of you. Um, uh, that would just... I, we, we could add it with full bodied walrus made out of human flesh. <laughs> Don't have to. <laughs> they have to see the movie in order to get that part of it. <laughs> So when when you're walking around, I'm guessing you don't have a warehouse, but I'm no. guessing you need one. No, well, I mean, it, it would be more beneficial to have a, a brick and mortar um, museum uh, where it could all just be displayed. Is that in the works for you? Is that a kind of short term or long term goal at this point? That, that's a long term because um, of that whole bad at business thing. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I, I just I don't know how to write a business plan, um, and and what I do know is that going into the bank or into a, a meeting of any sort with investors and saying, "Trust me, man, it'll work," does not. It doesn't make it, does it? <laughs> does not do it, you know. And it's like I know it'll work; it'll be groovy, but I, I can't. Uh, so I continue to travel. <laughs> gotcha. You know? Yeah. So as you're walking around, what passes for your uh, your warehouse, which is I'm guessing your basement and every spare room in your house, it's um, every bit of my house. Uh, <laughs> I, I describe my my dwelling as a 
post-apocalyptic shipping and receiving <laughs> warehouse. That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever come across something and go, you know, I forgot I had that? Um, more so recently, um, but it, that's more, I don't know, because my brain has become more absent-minded as I get older. Okay, you're not that old, first of all. Especially not compared man. to me. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm freaking Neolithic, so let's just pass on that. But, I mean, what's the coolest thing that you came across and went, damn, I forgot I had that? <laughs> uh, you know, I really don't have a, a good answer for that. I can make one up. Well, go ahead. I mean, make uh, one up. That's, there, nobody's going to know. Except <laughs> making it up. Except I just said it. <laughs> yeah. No, well, there's that. But yeah. Um, Man, uh, now I need something good. Um, it better be. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I guess my, my go-to. Um, oh, you know what? I can't answer this uh, legitimately. Uh, are you familiar with the TV show Defiance? Yes. Absolutely. Um, I have a lot of stuff from Defiance. I love that show so much. Like, I, I could reenact most of the movie most of the the series um that went three seasons didn't it yeah felt like it did yeah, yeah. Got, got that was the one the, the post-apocalyptic apocalyptic one that was set in st louis and there was mm-hmm. something really important with a radio station yeah yeah, yeah okay the station i'm not remembering not plot right now but it's clicking well i i don't get to bring Defiant stuff out to a lot of exhibits. Not a lot of people know the show. Um, so it's not taking it out a lot. It doesn't get much attention. Right. Here, so when I am moving stuff around and, and I, I pull something out, I go, oh, wow, yeah. I, I forgot I had this, this uh, little, usually it's a gun. Uh, Defiance that I pull out and go, oh yeah, uh, like for instance, uh, do you remember uh, Ian Ziering in the show? Kind of vaguely, but he was the gun it's been dealer. A while, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. And he brought those giant guns out, and uh, and Nolan is looking them over, and they're like, like a fifty caliber laser cannon. <laughs> um, they are legitimately Nerf guns. Um. And in the, and I have one of those, but it's it's hidden away. I know it's a large thing to hide away, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I come across it or pieces uh, that go to it or something, that's that's one that always pops into my head and goes, "Oh yeah, this thing is pretty pretty awesome." And one of the awesome parts about it is it's you know like I said, it's a Nerf gun that they pretty much they didn't do much modding on it outside of painting it and. It's a bright orange gun painted black and silver, and a lot of places you can see that orange coming through. Now, I ha- this has brought up a question for me. Yeah. Because yeah. I knew that this happened, that like, a lot of TV shows and people modify Nerf guns or toy guns. Um, do they ever add weight to them, or is it all just really good physical acting? When somebody's like hauling this 
thing down off a shelf and like they're passing it back and forth like it weighs 50 pounds which it would in real life um well 50 pound gun would be pretty weighty (laughs) um but i you know i i can't answer that flat out because every production is different it all depends on what they're doing and what they're making um unmodified pieces tend to just be what they are it's when when they start um uh like adding stuff to it and changing how it looks then they mold it and they'll create like resin copies and things like that that could easily weigh more okay or or lighter uh because i got a few that are made out of foam yeah (laughs) You know, we could and, and probably should at some point just kind of, you know, have a, have a show and tell slideshow uh, of some of the stuff that you offer in, in lieu of the fact that at some point in the next couple of years, hopefully you can get out to the East Coast and the West Coast. But but until you do, there, there are the two books. There will be links to the books in the podcast for you guys to go to Amazon, check them out, help keep this wonderful traveling museum going our guest tonight has been musician producer actor and factotum james asriel james thank you so much man for joining us thank you thank you it was absolute pleasure uh love to do it again sometime i think we can make that happen sci-fi saturday night is the official podcast of granite con keen comic-con plastic city comic-con books.com and comic art house Visit ComicArtHouse.com for some of the best deals on original art dozens of your favorite artists. And if you have a free moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's Anthology Live Family on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Our intro music production is provided by Rob Watts. Our his amazing stuff can be found on RobWattsOnline.com now selling amazing hot songs. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Baden Fry. You can check it Thank you again for joining us tonight. The Body Tunnel. We are going to forward. Thank you. I know.